to part two of Can't Stop Christmas with the Williamses. Hi, Noddy. Hello, Robbie Williams. Now, as I was saying, I'm Noddy Holder, your festive host for these 2020 Christmas specials. As always, a word of warning before things get underway, there will be some swearing. So please bear that in mind if you're listening with the kids. Are you still there? Yes, I'm here. Were you not listening? Now, where were we? Ah, yes. Twas some time before Christmas and all through the land, Rob's fans reminisced on his time with that boy band. Despite 2020, festive fun can't be delayed. So settle in with Rob, Ida and this bloke from Slade. Can I just point out that Nadi and Robbie kind of sound the same? I'm just saying. Cause this could take a while. Ida, skip to the full introduction if you please. This is Can't Stop Christmas Part 2. I am not Robbie Williams, but I am Ida Field Williams. Some say his better half, and I'd like to agree with them. How is everyone? How are you, Boozy? We are not together right now, but we are united by the force of Zoom. Tell me about it. How's your day? Um, well, I've been doing loads of promo for the Christmas album and the song. And in the interviews, you feature very heavily um, because they ask me, what is the inspiration about this <laughs> song? And then I tell them about the time in August when we were in Italy, where you said, you're going to release this uh, Christmas album again. I said, sure am. And then you said, what are you going to do? You're going to write a new song. I said, I'm sure not because I've written 50 <laughs> for this album and I don't want to write anymore and you went yeah you are you made me you twisted my arm and and I'm really glad that you wrote this song because I think it's an anthem that lifts us right now in the face of some really uncertain and heavy shit I think we needed some Christmas cheer that was specific to a mood a time a, a, a moment in history and I think you delivered it 10 out of 10 Robbie Williams well thank you darling I think you even gave me the song title I did I said, you can't stop Christmas. That's what it's got to be about. Anyway, so I've yeah, just so been I'm doing loads and loads of promo and I've been doing loads and loads of interviews. Tonight after this, I've got to do Mexico. Before I was in Germany. Before that, I was in Poland. All on Zoom. Has anyone asked you your bra size? Nobody's asked me my bra size yet, thankfully. So I've okay. been doing... So it's a good day. I've been getting up in the morning. I've been knocking out 10,000 steps in the morning. I'm very proud of you for that, by the way. Yeah. Very and proud. Then you've, you've committed. If I'm not if I'm not doing interviews, I've got this indoor golf projector that is I it's just I know. You're having a bit of so, a you're having a bit of a wet dream about your golf simulator, right? Because every time I try and reach you, by the way, I think, oh my God, he's having an interview right now. I don't want to interrupt. And then it turns out when it's like something kind of put important or the kids really miss you. I'm like, oh, I've just got, I've got a call. I've got to figure it out. And I finally get through security. No, you're not in an interview every time. You're in the golf simulator room. You're putting in like mm. five to six hours in the golf simulator room. And I'm well, here with four out. screaming okay. children. I just want you to know. Well, listen, check this out. So if I do okay. an hour's worth in the golf simulator, I burn 220 calories. So I'm getting my fizz in and I'm... Yeah. That, I'm Are lost. you trying to justify just, six hours in the yeah, golf yeah, simulator to me? Yeah, yeah. yeah I mean, yeah, I like yeah, it. Yeah. It was a noble attempt. You really went for it. You went the health route. I like it. You know, I'm like interested in health and fitness, but it was an epic fail, that one. 
Anyway, I've got the new Apple Watch that I'm wearing and it lets you know how many calories that you've uh, burnt of a day. And Is it so feeding far, the obsession? Yeah, so far I've burnt 890. I, I tend wow. to go for 1,000 and I will get to 1,000. But in short, you asked me how I am. Today, I'm absolutely yeah. knackered and really drained and I'll I'll tell everybody I've mercury poisoning and I did my bloods and the doctor said you got they mercury say? poisoning. You, the doctor said oh, you got oh, mercury poisoning. Oh, the one that we already did. I thought the new bloods you got, I wanted to know what the new tests no, no, were. No, 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 I'm all right now. But the but the good news is that you've stopped having loads of fish because you were kind of freebasing tuna like it was... Like it was water and 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 positive thinking. You you were you were having it all day long, morning, noon, and night. So I I didn't realize that when you're fatigued, uh, when you start taking vegan food as your main uh, consumption source of uh, yeah. that you you need uh, iron tablets and B twelve, and yeah. then when I had the B twelve and the iron tablets, I started to feel normal. The fish are fucked is the message that I give to everybody. The fish are fucked, ladies and gentlemen. Stay away from them. So, not even the fish could escape the perils of life in 2020. The NHS advises if you are trying for a baby or pregnant, you shouldn't have more than four cans of tuna a week or two tuna steaks per week because tuna contains higher levels of mercury than other fish. Robbie is not pregnant, but let's view this as a cautionary tale then of tuna overindulgence. How are you, Ida? I mean, um, thank you, by the way, for that um, public service announcement. I think the fish also thank you. Um, how am I? I'm tired too. I'm not going to lie. I, I tried to take a 10-minute power nap before this podcast started because I was... I just have been kind of nonstop all day long, every day. And I had that moment where I just thought, I'm going to have 10 minutes of me time in the fetal position and just hide. And I hid for 10 minutes and, and I had, I had just, just, just quiet me time. And it was, it was good. It, it was necessary. Um, I went today actually on the Christmas, on the Christmas Subject. I went today for the very first time because, as everyone knows, probably out there listening to this podcast, I am super obsessed with Christmas. Um, and I feel like this year has been different because of quarantines and lockdowns, and mood has been weird, and we've all been kind of going through these kind of emotional roller coaster moments. Uh, my my connection to Christmas, I feel like the the signal was weakened. So today, while the big kids were at school, I decided to have some one on one time with Miss Coco Bean. Colette Josephine Williams, and I took her to an outdoor garden center where they had a Christmas market going on. And I felt like I was starting to summon some really special Christmas feelings. And Coco was very excited because there were lots of blinking lights. We all love a blinking light. There was cinnamon spiced things. There was, now it's not the, the German Christmas market I'm used to, but it was it was still pretty merry. And I have to say, your little daughter, lit up like a Christmas tree. I think I'm I'm sowing the seeds of future Christmas love for this little girl because she was literally, it was like it's a small world to her. She just loved everything. She was she was on 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 Cloud Baby Nine. 
And I was on Cloud Baby Nine watching her enjoy Christmas. So I got a little bit of the I got a little bit of the cheer in my soul today. And yesterday, the elves, like as in the elves on the shelf, came into our lives again. Danny and Dottie are back. They're cool. back in our houses. And they've been causing havoc in the house, naturally. So I think in the last 24 hours, Dottie and Danny have come into our lives. I took Coco to a Christmas market and I'm starting to feel a little bit of Santa's pull. And I'm and I'm I'm really happy that I'm feeling Christmas and that I'm listening to your song and that it's all starting to like, it's all starting to brew. It started, it's like it's like the car was like having trouble getting out of the garage and now the wheels are moving a little bit. And I'm like, okay, here we go. Here we go, sled. Do you know do you know what's do you know what's interesting? It's like all we have to do is ask each other. How are you? And we get 20-minute answers. Can you imagine asking something difficult? I mean, we wouldn't. It would be like a three. It would be like one of those TED Talks. So rate your day. Just give me something simple uh, like that. I'm too tired for it to be a 10 because I feel fucking knackered. But, like, if I take away the fatigue, I'm just going to give it a 10 because I got a shot of Christmas and I had some really nice mommy time with Coco. Okay, well, rate, uh, we've, rate your we've, day. we've christened where we're at, Lad Camp, because I'm here with yeah, uh, Lad in, Camp. In, mm-hmm. in my bubble with uh, uh, my drummer and my uh, keyboard player and uh, hair and makeup and videographer and my manager. And do you know what? Nothing, we're... nothing diva ish about the sound of that at all, by the uh, way. And do you know what we're watching this evening, Ida? What? Anything we fucking want. <laughs> <laughs> Do you know what sucks, by the way? It's like, I remember the other day I called you and I was really missing you. And I was like, Boo, I miss you so much. I miss you so much. How are you? You're like, <laughs> I mean, bless you. You really tried. You're like, yeah, babe, I miss you too. Um, I'm not going to lie. It's amazing here. I'm having a really great time. <laughs> yeah. And I was like, yeah, he's he's having a blast. I'm, yeah. He's, he's watching football and farting and eating pup chips and playing his little golf simulator. And I'm, Here's I'm the with thing, the let me just kids. Oh, listen, listen, I, I, I'm doing an awful lot. It's not just joy. It's not like man joy, which was a video I erroneously <laughs> watched one time um, on, on, on you porn. It sounds like something that Take That could have produced in the early part of your career. But look, I'm getting a lot done. I'm facilitating our children's future by making sure that this uh, this album does well and the song does well. And, I thought you, you were know, going to say that Daddy knows how to putt. And Daddy now knows how to use his three wood. Um, but l- let me just bring this up with you, which is interesting, right? Okay. So, with a capital I? Yeah, like I call you, yeah. you are seldomly, you're seldomly accessible. I disagree. You, well, you can disagree, but just check okay. your missed calls. Okay. Um, and and then I'm always accessible, but mm, then no. no, but then when you can't get through to me once, uh, you phone up and you give me a semi hard time. Now, lovely listeners, you may already be one step into Christmas ahead of me, but this is the point of the podcast. Happens most episodes. Nothing to alarm anyone, where we're about to tread lightly into a couple's argument. Spoiler alert! Spoiler alert! It'll all be okay in the end. Listen, I'm not going to... I'm not... I'm not. No, I am. No, I am going to... I'm going to call you out on something. Here we go. Okay. Thanks. Thanksgiving. Yeah? 
Thanksgiving. I'm just going to say the word Thanksgiving. I didn't know it was Thanksgiving. I know. You forgot it was Thanksgiving and did not call us all day. It wasn't until almost 10 p.m. that I heard from you because someone reminded you it was Thanksgiving. Let me tell you, buddy, I was crying because I had a sad Thanksgiving because you were gone. Mom was gone. And I was all by myself with the kids. Is you it, were playing uh, golf. Is, 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 is it only a one-way walkie-talkie, the phone you've got? I tried calling you. I couldn't can get you through not, to you. Can you not phone? Uh, is it? I did. Is and if. I called Michael, too. As if well, I must have been very, very busy. I didn't know that it was Thanksgiving. Do you know why I didn't know it's Thanksgiving? I can't wait for the answer. Because I'm not fucking American. I just, I knew you were going to say, do you know what I was going to say? He was going to say, I'm not fucking bothered. But I thought, no, he wouldn't shit on my holiday that hard because he knows how much I love Thanksgiving. But no, you did. You did a bit of a poopy on my Thanksgiving just now. I'm just going through my recent phone calls. Um, There are plenty of unanswered calls from (laughs) you is all I'm saying. Anyway, in short, I love you. We've got a special (laughs) guest today. Wait, wait, but yeah, no, speaking of this is what Thanksgiving is all about. And the reason I was sad is for me, Thanksgiving and Christmas are all about family, holiday, family, us being together, us giving things, us connecting. And it means a really big deal to me to be surrounded by the ones I love, which is why the person we have on our podcast today is a very important person because he is one of the tenants, I'd say one of the big foundation blocks, the column that holds us up, the air we breathe. It is. (laughs) (laughs) Pete Conway, AKA Grampy Pete, AKA Robbie's dad, AKA my father-in-law and the coolest dude in our family. Hi, Grampy Pete. That's so good of you. Oh, I love you, Grampy Pete. This is the very first time I've done this. I know. By the way, I'm super impressed with you because uh, this was a technical kind of, you know, Joseph and the Amazing Technicolor. This was a big oh, technical, yes. technical heave-ho to get us all together. And you, in Stoke-on-Trent, managed to get on, log on, and do all the weird techno things that you need to do. I, 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 I did have help from Michael. That's okay. So did Rob. And you did it faster. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> ah. Can I talk about Rob? Can I ask a question? Yes. Did did you ring Rob on Bonfire Night? <laughs> I was with Rob on Bonfire Night. Yeah, she never mentioned it. Oh, you didn't it, never, oh. She never mentioned it. Oh. Yeah. And you know <laughs> And I wanted I wanted to set something on fire, I'm sure, that night. And do you yeah. know do you know Shrove Tuesday passed? Without, Stop it. Don't yeah. make fun of Without my Thanksgiving. Don't marginalize but it. A mention. Don't marginalize it. I don't make fun of your boxing day. Don't marginalize yeah. it. Uh, and and <laughs> Ash- you wanted to give all the, you know, the people, your presents, your leftover stuff a hundred years ago, three hundred years ago, and I, I still honor it. I still honor it as a holiday. Dad, Ash Wednesday was yeah. ba- barely mentioned. That's all I'm saying. Bob, what's um how are you doing? Okay, no bad at all. Very strange, very weird. It's been strange since last March, and when you think about it, yeah. How has lockdown been? Like, what's what's the what are the days look like for you? I've got used to it now. Um, we, we're now in tier three. And explain in, exactly what tier three is for some right, listeners who aren't. Tier, there's tier one, tier two, tier three. They're all not very good, but tier three is a so-called trend where I'm living, and uh, there's no pubs open. You can't go for breakfast anywhere. You can't eat in. You can only take away. Uh, the shops are open today, the non-essential oh. shops, as they call them. 
Um, but uh, basically, there's no social life at all. How does that feel? Because you're quite a social person normally. It's like my life since 1993. Yes, yeah, sure. It is, yeah. Does it bother you? I mean, is it getting to you or is it like... No, kind the, of- the nice thing about it, Ida, is there's plenty of sport on the telly. I have noticed with Rob, there's been lots of sport on the telly. So, Dad, I, I noticed that you've put on what we in England called a granddad shirt. Yes, I yes. thought I thought that would be, be, be applicable for the day. So, on a day-to-day basis, because you're a very presentable man that... Uh, likes to present himself in the best fashion where clothes are concerned. Yes. I, I can tell that the granddad shirt that you've put on tonight is for the podcast, dressing yes. up a little bit. Have you, like granddad. Have you dressed up at home during COVID or has your dressing habits come to shit? The second one of those is spot on. <laughs> I'm you, very rarely, I'm rarely out of my tracksuit. How does that make you feel? Well, I don't go out anywhere, so nobody sees me, so I don't see them, so it doesn't make any difference. Can I can I ask you a Christmas question, Dad? So my yeah. my favourite present when I was growing up was a BMX. What was your Christmas favourite present when you were a kid? And did you have expectations levels that were were that were high? And was Christmas really about presents back then? Not at all. Thinking, you, you put me on the spot there, because I can't remember a Christmas present. But there was one that sticks out to me. I remember getting, is it a dancing record player where they, where you put 10 records and one they drop down and the... Uh, I, I know what you're on about, yeah. Where you load up the singles and then they all drop down, yeah. Down, yeah, yeah one after the other, and the, the, the arm goes backwards and forwards and drops on it again. Oh, I that sounds a, cool. That was a Christmas present in the 50s, and uh, that stands out to me. Christmas, my birthday's at Christmas, and genuinely, it's never been a big deal to me because I, I, it, it just comes and goes. I, I've never been a big Christmassy person, although I do. Ah. En- or, yeah, although I do, en- ah, I do <laughs> enjoy. I like Tuesdays in April. They're good too. Yeah, they are. So, so when you were. Uh- when you were, say, 10, there was yeah. never sort of like an expectancy uh, December the 1st, oh, good Christmas is coming, maybe I'll get. No, I can't remember that at all, Rob. And did nobody else have, and it was everybody else in the same boat, it was sort of like a doll and a drum and a kick up the bum? Yeah, because I remember when we had an apple and an orange and uh, a banana. I remember my first banana. And you, you, you didn't get many pre. You, 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 there were big presents in my my younger days. And Santa came down the chimney and left things at the bottom of your bed in a stock in a stocking. What was your favourite uh, Christmas present, Ied? Well, I was just I was like, oh no, my Christmases were different. <laughs> I got yeah. really excited for Christmas time when I was a kid. Um, I would say two of the presents that stood out the most. There was one I think that was head and shoulders above all of them. Where I just remember going. Whoa. And that was a Nintendo. That just oh. blew my fucking mind. There was the duck thing and you shot at the TV and there was Mario Brothers and that was just like my favorite thing. But like 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 a video game, that was just like this thing exists where you can play on it and wow. there's these like things that happen and you interact with it. and it just was like 
it was like a spaceship landing and I didn't think it was possible. And I remember thinking, oh, please, please, Santa, please, Santa, please, Santa. Can I have an, int-? and it came and honestly, it did not disappoint. Wow. It was, it was, br- I mean, I remember Christmas Day just shooting at that screen, that gun clicking. I mean, now it would be amazing to look at it because it would probably look like some sort of, you know, like thing that dinosaurs used to play with. It, it would look like something that should be in a museum, I'm sure. But at the time, it was like the most technologically cool thing I'd ever seen. And I don't think I stopped playing for like three days straight. What about you, Boo? Did you get excited for Christmas? Do you remember making lists to Santa or hoping Santa would leave you something? Like what was the best gift you ever got besides uh, a BMX? No, the best gift that I ever got was a BMX. But I also got a Spectrum 48K, which was pretty sensational. It was like the first computer that I got. And, um, you know, it that blew my mind in a similar way to um, the way the Nintendo blew your mind. And it was very, it, it, it was kind of um, shit. But at the time, it felt like I'd opened a portal into the Matrix, which, of course, we since have, really. Can I ask yeah, a we question? Have. Uh, mm-hmm. Dad, what's your favorite Christmas song? Uh, I was outside the other day, and I think it's got to be the Christmas song, Mel Mate. Chestnuts roasting on an open fire, that one. I like that. It says everything about Christmas, yeah. I, I do. What's yours? Well, currently, it's your single Can't Stop Christmas because yeah, I like that so too, happy. Yeah. That's literally my number one song right now. Mm-hmm. I would say growing up, the sound of Christmas for me, and I remember it would play, and the minute I would hear it play, it was like the spirit of Santa was in my house right then and there was the little drummer boy. Ah. They told me Can you cover that one day, babe? It's it's a pretty like, special hey, Christmas song. You know, Bing Crosby did that with um, David Bowie. David yes. Bowie. I, yes. thought we, I thought we could do that one. Yeah, we could do can that I one. put it if on I, the if, list? If I do it, yeah. If I, if I do, yeah, actually. I only did those cover versions is a mechanism to get people to listen to my new songs anyway. Yeah, it was a great album, though. They're still talking about that this year, which is great. I love it. Yeah, well, it, hopefully it'll come around again. What's your favourite Christmas song? Um, Fairy Tale of New York by the Pogues. That's right. But yeah. here's, here's the thing about Christmas songs, right? I don't think I've met a Christmas song I don't like. Yeah, me neither. Because Christmas is fucking awesome. Correct. No. But like, okay, can you think of a Christmas song that you don't like, Dad? Not really, no. Can you, Ide? Um, I'm sure there's some sort of like Christmas rap where I'm like, no, that's not Christmas. Uh, but I can't think of it. No. I have to say, I, I do like most Christmas songs. Yeah, but me some too. are better than. Yeah, but but then some of them do sound like like not the old classic ones because I have to say I'm I'm a diehard fan of the old classic songs, but I have heard a bunch of new ones i'm not i'm not naming and shaming but they sound like like elevator music they do not capture the spirit of christmas you can yeah. you can write a christmas song doesn't mean it's christmas what are you talking about new christmas songs yeah just i've heard some pretty wank christmas songs in my time by various people i'm um, you know it is what it is but they do not i don't think i think you have to love christmas in order to write a great christmas song. i, I think yeah. you can tell i do know what you're on about and 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 basically i hear those songs in america where 
uh, not so much in England because I don't think we go in an awful lot for writing seasonal seasonal music. And mm. uh, in America, you do hear songs and you could just tell it was like a box that they were ticking yeah. that day because, oh, we better write a Christmas song. And you yeah. could just tell that they're not imbued with the spirit of Christmas yeah. like, like what I am. Yeah, you're imbued. Yeah, yeah. I, I'm very proud of it too because I feel like that's part of Mrs. Claus's, you know, journey in her life was to bring Mr. Claus to life. I I love how much you now love Christmas. And I feel like that plays in your music. You cannot write an, an incredible Christmas song if you don't respect, love, and believe in Christmas. Hear, hear, Ida. On behalf of someone who has some authority on the matter of Christmas songs, I couldn't agree more. Now... I think Robbie's about to invent a new word. You've imbued me. I've imbued. That sounds kind of like uh, aggressive. Like, like there could be some sort of charge associated with Im- Im- imbued you. Did is there anything for Christmas other than world peace? I'm asking my dad. World peace yeah. and the coronavirus to go away. Is there anything in particular that you want or need at Christmas? You just nailed it, bang on. The coronavirus to go away will be enough for me. That's great, that. Yeah, but so like, we can get back to some, some normal. Let's be materialistic for once, though. Yeah, what's on yeah. your list, Pete? Two new knees. Yeah, okay. that's <laughs> difficult to get, but we'll ask Santa. Yeah, uh, no, I can cope with them actually. And make me ten again. Make you ten, okay? Yeah, well, I like I like being ten. I liked you when I was ten. I'm not going to lie, Pete. You're asking a lot of kind of physio- phys- physiological. Oh, I can't even say the word. You're asking a yeah. lot of uh, medical miracles from Santa this year. He's 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 got a PhD. I don't know if he's an active doctor, but we'll see. I can be mentally ten, can't I? You yeah, can well, you are mentally, mentally ten. ten. When you I come know. down, when you come down, will you bring some Christmas oat cakes with you from? Uh, oh yes, that is in the plan already. That's will all you planned. bring some Christmas pieclets too, please? Yes, I'll do that. That's all planned. Which I now know is not pie clits, it's pie clits. Pie clits. Just, pie just, clits. just two. It's, it's not two words. It's not two words, one being very naughty. It's just one word. Let me ask uh, Let me ask a question. I've got another question that I'm interested yeah. in. What do you hate about Christmas, Dad? Nothing at all. I don't hate anything about anything, really. Can I let a secret out? It yeah, is, it's just between se- us. Not a secret amongst my friends. I find Christmas cards strange things. Me too. <laughs> I find Christmas cards strange things. Because, really? well, people you haven't seen for ages, people will ring you up and say, what's your new address? I want to send you, I haven't spoken to them. Oh, those kind of Christmas cards. I thought you meant like if we write you a Christmas card and we're like, Dear Grampy Pete. Oh, no, 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 no. Oh, you mean no. like the family ones where you get like their family photo and you don't even like know who they are and you're like, why do I have to put this on my chimney breast? I don't, Th- I don't know you. From, yeah, this is from Simon and Elsie. And then they let you know like what they've been doing all year. Simon and Elsie. Like, oh, I remember them. Yeah, but it's like it's like a tree died. A tree died for that. Oh, yeah, you went dark so. on the Christmas card. Yeah, no, yeah, no, but I am because it's like, what's the fucking point? Just well, listen, yeah. just if we are, if we are close, just text me. Uh, or, or, yeah, or, ring me. Or, or even better than that, just think a nice thought about me so I don't have to text back. <laughs> yeah. Well, well, <laughs> well, I, well, I guess you're not getting the Kardashian Christmas card this year then. Uh, I put my tree up. Shall I show Have you? you? Yeah. Oh yeah, let's see your tree. Hang on, I'll be with you in this. I'll be back. 
I'll be back. Okay. Okay. Ladies and gentlemen, my father is getting out of his electronic chair. He's uh, wandering around his bungalow in Stoke-on-Trent, off to find his tree right. that we are Let's about to witness. Let's see Here the tree. Here he comes back, putting his headphones on. I Hi. will do the reveal. Let's see okay. the reveal. <laughs> uh, it can great. only be described is that a tree that you bought from a supermarket it, yep it almost looks like it could be a pastry or some sort of bread with powdered sugar on it it looks as though it's a shrub that i sneezed on in the 90s it could have I mean, been it's, it it's be. not it's not a green color it's kind of like a taupey brown color it's been in the window through the summer and the sun's been on it and it's, it's like just... the color of wheat Discolored lids. Anyway, it's discolored. I've, I've got, I've got two of them. Oh well, thank goodness and there's two. People would say we're putting our trees up early this year to brighten uh, everything up. All right, Mr. Rockefeller. I thought I'll do it myself. For those of you who can't see, it's fitting in Pete's hand like a coffee cup. It's the size of a coffee cup with some sort of deadened, just thing. yeah, taupe, taupe colored thing with with powdered something on it. It's, it is in the shape of a of a shrub. Tree. It's great in it. Yeah, it's it's portable I think it's, for I, sure. I think I think it's brilliant. There we are. That's my Christmas. I've got two of them. I'd, I'd. Yeah, yeah. What um, what do you not like about Christmas? I mean, there's nothing I really don't like about Christmas except for when it ends. And then I have the like Christmas blues, and those I get. Those that's I get my, big time. That's that's my answer too. My answer is, is that your answer too? Oh, look at Dad's other Christmas tree. Oh, this one's like a little something this is more from impressive. Frozen. Do you like that? It's plastic and it lights up. It's like a, you know, it looks yeah. like a lava lamp. It's like a clear lava yeah. lamp with some sort of light. You have light. to be careful where you put it. It looks like something Gwen might have in a secret drawer, if I'm being honest. It's got a very, <laughs> very pointy end. Yeah. It's, yes, it has. It's a very specific looks, shape, that. It looks like the campest spear end that's yeah. ever been invented. Yeah. Great, though, isn't it? Yeah, it's great. I can see. Also, I can see that you're very proud of both of those. Uh, I am. So, so Boo, uh, is is that what you don't like about Christmas? It ending. Uh, well, there's two things I don't like about Christmas. Uh, one, I can't do anything about, and one, I can. Okay, and, give me, give me, uh, give me the two. One, I can't do anything about is uh, it coming to an end. Yeah, like you said. But this year, we're going to get on a plane and go to a very hot destination, which yes. is going to be... I, I think that'll stave off the blues. Yeah, I think that will. Yeah. I think that will and, stay, because we've never done that. We've never done that. Anyway, so here's, here's what's happened to me. I've opened the chocolate drawer, mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. I've, I've gone on the chocolate express. I mm-hmm. can't stop eating chocolate. And this is the thing that uh, the catastrophe that is Christmas is my diet goes to shit. And mm-hmm. um, by the time the 25th comes around, it's already gone too far. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. By, you're, you're in, yeah. by the 27th, you sort of like making life changing promises uh, to yourself. Promises to yourself. And uh, that's the kind of thing is like, it's the mixture of pain and pleasure. The pleasure of all that food and then the pain of being a size bigger than you would like to be. So that's the thing that I dislike about Christmas, if there's anything. Is there a Christmas? I know there's one Christmas food that you always look forward to. But is Boxing there what, Day. Boxing Day, which is your birthday. Will you tell everyone what you like to have for your birthday every year? 
I have trifle for my breakfast. I've had it for donkey's years. I can't remember how long, 30, 40 years, I've had trifle for my breakfast on my birthday, which is Boxing Day. But not like a modern interpretation of trifle, like classic trifle. Well, the sherry trifle, fruit trifle, any kind. If it's trifle, it's breakfast. And that started, I think, a long time ago. And nothing in for breakfast, one Boxing Day, about 30, 40 years ago. And there was trifle left over from last night. I had it for my breakfast. I had a really good day. Hello. Pete, we've lost you. Ah, the perils of having to be separated. And tech fails. Do not worry. Pete shall return. I'm back. Shall, shall I explain where I've been? Because I'm, I'm now in a different place. No, they can't, they can't see it anyway, Dad. I know, but I didn't want to alarm uh, viewers that something, something was different with Pete. But you're in a different room now. Yeah, I uh, I went off. It, it, it just went down. My system went down. So I've come into the bedroom and I've plugged in there. We were we were mid-story on how th- how that day that you had trifle, something really amazing happened. So you kept having the trifle. Yes, so I've done it ever since. So the trifle story is will carry on for as long as I'm around, I, I should imagine. Dad, can't wait to see you at Christmas. Love you very much. Thanks for joining in with Love our you. Christmas Love you. I'm so Thanks excited to see you, Grampy Pete, and so are It's been really, really a pleasure. My pleasure tonight. Love you. Love, Love you, Dad. And with that... It's almost time to wave a festive goodbye for another year. Nod, can I can I bump can I bump in, mate? Yeah. I, I know I know I'm not supposed to, but I, I just got a question to ask. Go on. How does it feel to have got a huge song over that line and made it into the epoch, the fabric of everybody's musical life at Christmas? Does it still move the needle for you in some way at Christmas or do you just think oh there it is again no I like it every time I hear it the best the best thing is now these days don't forget our records I mean you're a newcomer to the Christmas market aren't you really yeah I this record my record we're going 47 years this year Wow. That's a hell of a time. But I still get a kick when young kids come up to me in the street and they say, oh, you're, you're that Mr Christmas, ain't you? And I say, yeah, yeah, yeah. You sung that Christmas song, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I said, we've just done that at our carol concert at school. So that's a good legacy to have. That's br- brilliant for us. Does it do your head in that you've got a catchphrase? <laughs> <laughs> now I like it. There ain't one day goes past in the year when I'm out and about that somebody down shouted at me. And in December, of course, I get it 20, 30, 40, 50 times a day. And everybody who shouts it out at me thinks it's the fir- that, uh, they're the first one to do it. They all think it's the first time I've heard it. That would absolutely do my head in. Does it just not? Is it not like? Is it not like fingers down a chalkboard when people do it? No, no, I'm I'm used to it now. After all them years, it's just zoom, you know. So I just smile sweetly and, and accept it because you have to, don't you? But wasn't there a period like I don't know, late eighties, early nineties, where you were just like, oh fuck off. <laughs> <laughs> But I mean, there probably has been. The worst time it happens is if I'm in a restaurant having a meal with my mates or my family or whatever, and they're shouting it across the uh, restaurant, you know, at the top of the voice. I'm trying to hide in a corner sort of thing, especially around December time. You get all the Christmas parties in because I know... The Christmas tapes going on, you know, on the sound system in the restaurant. Yeah, and it's bound to happen. 
Yeah, it's going to come round to our record at some point. Yeah. So I'm sort of heads down. And then, of course, somebody on the way to the bog off the Christmas party will pass my table. Then it swiftly gets round the restaurant that I'm in. And then they all want it, you know, they all want me to sing along with it then on the, on a table or something. Do, that gets really embarrassing. Do then. you get do you get people going, Go on, say it. Go on, say it. <laughs> yeah, all the time. Oh, yeah. Fuck off. <laughs> you say it. Is it true is it true that uh, John Lennon popped into the studio when you were recording it? He did. He and he said, uh, I love this bloke's voice, he sounds like me. Is that what he uh, said? Best compliment I ever had, yeah. Um, Best compliment I ever had. What's funny, though, is people come up to me in the bars and that around and they say, oh, I love your Christmas record. And I say, oh, great, good, good, good. I'm glad you like it. And I says, yeah, we always have it on every year. That I wish it could be Christmas every day. <laughs> they all think my record's Woody's. Uh, and I answer to all these Christmas records. <laughs> so, you know, you know, you guys... You guys just toured and toured and toured and toured till the wheels fell off. Was that? We did. Do you think that was a big reason why you just thought, I don't want to do this anymore? It was, yeah. For my, in my case, it was, yeah. I felt we were getting it, uh, on a treadmill. We'd been together 25 years, the same lineup, same four guys. And you get to a point, certainly in the late 80s for me, it was that it was album tour, album tour, year after year. And how many times can you do that? You know, you can't keep doing it forever. I'd been in this bubble for so long with the same other three guys and we'd been in the same bubble going round and round and round the world over and over again. And I just felt there was someone else to do out there, new challenges, work with new people. And with me, boredom was really setting in. I was getting so stale inside my head as much as anything else. And I had to get out of that rut and start doing other things and working with other people, basically, and that's why I let it go. Is there nothing in your ego that says, I've got this vast amount of work that we've done and, you know, the 70s... You were one of, if not the biggest selling acts of the 70s? We were the biggest selling singles act, yeah. The biggest selling singles act of the 70s, yeah. I, I knew that fact. Is there not a bit of you that, like, still wants people to know that? Don't bother me no more. I believe I've left my bit of mark on rock history now, so it, it, it don't really bother me. I do miss... Getting up on stage and and having my ego massaged, uh, you know, to perform again. But I don't like or I got tired of the sitting around at airports, delayed in airports, sitting around in dressing rooms waiting to go on, sitting around in hotel rooms, you know, killing the the few hours in the day when you ain't got nothing to do. Stuff like that. That's what I got bored with. I didn't get bored with actually the couple hours on stage. I remember interviewing you when you got the sort of uh, Lifetime Achievement Award at the Brits and I interviewed you before you went on. You were saying at that time, I mean, you were going through a rough patch in your head at that time. Yeah. And you, and you said to me, do you think they're going to like me when you were going on for your set? And I said, for fuck's sake, Robbie, you're Robbie. You know, of course they're going to fucking like you, you know. Yeah. And you, you you had that sort of 
um, qualms about going on at something like the Brits and accepting, you know, the biggest award of the night and you were worried about it. Fuck knows why you were worried about it. It's ruddy drugs, not ruddy drugs. <laughs> Mate, when you were all together, there's always power struggles in bands. Was there, was there Absolutely. Pa- was there a power struggle with you guys? Absolutely. I never think democracy works in a band. You've been through in a band yourself, you know. Democracy don't work in a band. And when you've got four personalities, four different personalities, plus management and record company and everybody else having a go. So when Vic and Bob started doing the cup of soup thing, did you... Because, like, <laughs> yeah. you, it's it's surreal enough, their humour. I Like, I, I enjoy Vic and Bob, you know. But then, like, to be part of the the surreal bit of their humour, did you just, like, cock your head and were just going, the fuck is this? No, I loved it, because I knew Vic and Bob anyway. I'd done Shooting Stars. I did the very first pilot of Shooting Stars with them. And I knew that, that, you know, that they grew up with the band. They loved the band back in the 70s. And uh, I knew they were going to do a spoof. Little did I know what the spoof was going to entail, Mm -hmm. but it was pretty much, it was pretty much, it was a cartoon version of what we were really like, really. (laughs) I I didn't think it was mean. I thought it was very affectionate. It was very affectionate. And the the, the funniest bit for me was when they put uh, a Fray Bentus corned beef can on on Dave's head and cut his fringe. I thought that was just brilliant, just brilliant, because that's how he used to cut his fucking hair. He used to have something on his head like that. You know, I'm, I'm having that, you talking about album promo tour thing. And I totally get it. How many times around can you do that? I did it with, I did it five times with Take That and I've done it 14 times with me. And um, yeah, and it's like, I've I've fucking, I've done it, you know. How long, how long has it been now? How many years since you went professional musician? How long? 30. 30 years? Fucking. And you see, I I always think of you still as a kid, a young whippersnapper. I was 16. And you've been doing it for 30 years, for God's sake. Yeah, I was 16. How many times can you do album promo tour, album promo tour, album yeah, promo exactly. tour? Yeah, exactly. You know, that's... Well, I've been lucky because... Uh, even though I, when I left the band, I had nothing on the horizon. I had no clue as what I was going to do next. Everybody was saying, oh, make a solo album, make a solo album. But then I would have had to get back on that treadmill and do album tour, form a new band from scratch. And I, I wasn't ready to do that. But luckily for me, things came along like I did five years in a drama sitcom sort of situation on ITV of the Grimleys. I had loads of voiceover work. I did about, I've done about 200 adverts in my time, voiceovers and appearing in TV. I worked with Peter Kay on Max and Paddy. I was in the 40th anniversary of Coronation Street, the live app. And I've done tons of stuff like that over the years, always working with different people. And you'll find that when you do this idea that you're talking about, you'll be working with totally new genre, totally new people. And it'll give you a real buzz in your head because it's a challenge that you'll... And when you've conquered it, you'll think, fuck me, I should have done this years ago. Yeah, I, I, I already I already feel I've, I already feel that I know that. I, you know, I'm, I'm chomping at the bit to go and do that. Is there anything that you still want to do? 
Not really now. The only thing probably I'd have liked to do, I don't know what I could do it now, I don't know. But the one thing I, I wish I'd have, I would have had a chance to do would be play a villain in something like um, Colombo. I'd love to have been in Colombo and played a villain. Hey, you know, hey do you want to be? Do you want to be a villain in my new TV show? <laughs> well, you never know. As long as there ain't many lines, I can't remember lines anymore. I'm too old for all that. <laughs> well, well, we'll just put the lines into you. That's what they do now. They put they put an really? earphone in to this side, and then they listen to the lines, and then they just repeat them. That's what I'm going to do. Oh, that's funny. That's hey, funny. Let me ask you. Let me ask you this question because. At some point, I just stopped being able to retain the information about the lyrics in my songs and even things like Angels and like the big ones. Yeah. And let yeah, me yeah. entertain you. I, yeah, yeah. I, I need an autocue because I can't, I can't remember anything anymore. Oh, I never got to that stage now. I, I could always remember them, yeah. So that's, just, that's yeah. just not made me feel any That's just then. you. <laughs> did, no, it's not just you. Everybody uses uh, the autocue now, don't they? they if, you did a gig, if you did a gig now, do you think you'd have to use an autocue or not? Oh, yeah. Oh, it's been years since I sang them tunes now, yeah. So w when, you, when you went and wrote a massive, massive Christmas single. Was that a strategic thing that you planned out? Not at all, no, no. Jim, my co-writer in the band, his, I think it was his mother-in-law, challenged him and said, why don't you ever write something that'll come out every year like a Christmas song or a birthday song or something like that? She challenged him and he poo-pooed it at first. Then he remembered a song I'd written way back in the hippie hippie days. It was actually the first song I'd ever written and it was called Buy Me a Rocking Chair. And he got a, a new verse melody he got hanging round in his head and he took up the challenge of his mother-in-law, really, and he put that verse melody to my old Buy Me a Rocking Chair hippie dippy chorus and we put that became the the Christmas song. I I wrote brand new lyrics to it, but it wasn't planned at all. It just it worked out good. We were in the studio. Don had just had a bad car crash. He had no taste of smell. He had no memory, and we recorded it in little pieces and pieced it together. That song in New York because Don couldn't play the drums. He couldn't remember the song from start to finish because of the after effects of his car crash. So it was it was totally a fluke, really. Did you write any more Christmas songs that weren't it? No, no, that was it. No, we never never did it again. We thought that this one was so big you know, all over the world, uh, excepting for America, that we thought, we're never going to top this. It's no good trying to do another one. Was there a point where we, you sort of like, oh, it's gone again. Oh, it's gone again. And then was there a point where you, where you just go, where you stop getting surprised that it's gone again? It takes a life of its own, that sort of thing, especially Christmas one. It was never deleted. You know, you get records deleted off the the record company roster where they no longer they push it or whatever. But with Merry Christmas, they just put it out every year and that's how it used to work and it used to chart every year. What I want to ask you, when you were at that stage when that first album wasn't breaking and you were on the line of, is it ever going to happen? Then suddenly out the blue, Angels came out was it as a last resort single? I don't know. But then it took off 
to become the classic that it has become. What did you think then? Did you think of of I'm fucked here? Did you did you think that with the first album? And then Angels happened and it all went right. I, 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 what I think, point were you at before Angels? I think not. I think you might understand this, that there's a sort of eternal delusion that I have that I think most people with show-off-itis can have, <laughs> that if you throw enough <laughs> shit at a wall, some of it's going to stick. You got it. You got it. And um, I didn't know, but a memo had gone around the record company saying we're going to drop Robbie Williams. And then they, they, they gave this song a chance and, and off it went. But uh, to be honest with you, and I can't say it was cocaine because, you know, cocaine makes you delusional because I was sober at the time. But I always thought something was going to happen. I, I, there was not one bit of me that went left or right say I'm yeah, fucked yeah. here. I know what you mean. You know, and I don't know whether that is a knowing or delusion or a mixture of the two. You know what it is? It's confidence in your own talent, which you, I don't think, have ever appreciated yourself. The talent it was always inside you. You just had to find out where to channel it. Here's a question for you. You know when you're sort of like... You're in your moment, and your moment lasted a long, long time with Slade. You know, if you like burn brightly on the pop scene, maybe it'll last five years. You had 25 years of it, which is, you know, five times that. So, was there a time where you could feel that? Because, like, there's most of the time, I, I, it feels like when I was imperial, it felt like I'd go at the pool table and I couldn't miss. And you must have felt that feeling in Slade. We can't miss it. Just not that you'd yeah. put out any old shit because you were trying yeah. to be the best. But you, you think could you're be. indestructible, don't you? Yeah. Was there a, was there a, was there a moment where you found you you found it slipping away? Lots of times. Yeah, I think everybody's career, even the biggest acts ever in the world, the Beatles faced that. The Stones have faced it many times. Rock and roll goes like that. Music goes like that. You look at Frank Sinatra. People. His career was he dead was in the fifties. He was dead, dead till he made from here to eternity. From here to eternity, dead in the water. Yeah, correct. And there you go. Couldn't get signed. It's, this is not unusual. It's not unusual. You've got to have confidence in your own talent. Yeah. And I think you, you, you never looked in the mirror and saw you have the talent that you had. No. I saw it when you were on kids TV. Oh, I saw your you, talent. I saw you standing out on that TV no, show. That, that means, and I remember that means when so much take to me. that. Thank you. I remember when take that split up. And everybody, this is not to cast any aspersions on Gary, but everybody said, Gary Barlow's going to be the star from this band when Take That's finished. Everybody said it. They didn't give you a helping L at the, at the start. But you proved them wrong because your talent was always there. It's always the same in the music business. It's the right song at the right time and the right place, and then you're off and running. Do you, do you believe in your own talent? Absolutely, always did. Oh, really? Even as a kid, and, I believed in my own talent. Yeah. And and do you do you think that that's just a state of mind? You haven't had that sort of button that's like the self destruct button. No, I don't think I have. I mean, I never, I never, I was never a big drug taker. Uh, we used to smoke a bit of weed in our time, especially in America. But I was a boozer more than anything. But I, I never did it before I went on stage. 
I always was able to perform to my 100% utmost. But even without, even without, I mean, I haven't had a drink for 20 years and I haven't had dr- drugs for a very, very long time. Um, even without that, there's sort of like something within me, a mechanism that is sort of broken, I would say. But I, I quite, I, I, it's, it's, look, I, I've done a load of stuff like therapy and stuff and family and all of that business and mum and dad and what happened and blah, 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 blah. You know, um, I, I like, you know, what you just said might have just changed my life ever so slightly in a big way because I do believe that that sort of like talent, that, that confidence in your own ability is a state of mind that you can just go into too. Definitely. But also, don't you think it's a very, very British thing to actually undercut yourself, undersell yourself? Yep. You know, yep. it's like, don't, it's like, it's it's quite an American thing to actually Correct. go, I'm good at this, I can do this, and I'm going to do this. But I, I, I've always felt, because I'm from Stoke, who am I to think that I can? Who am I? Do, do, do you understand what I'm saying? I do understand totally because I was from the black country in the Midlands, Warsaw. I would never thought when I was a kid that I could make a living out of music and make a successful living out of music. Don't forget, in my generation growing up, when you went to school and they asked you what you wanted to be and you said, I want to be a singer or going to music, you were the black sheep. You I, asked I your dad. I was. You no, asked no, your I, dad. I was. That happened to me. No, that was that was an absolutely beautiful chat, and I I, I think I, just before I go, it's it's interesting to because you are a very very humble man, but also to don't believe it, don't you believe it? <laughs> no, well, well, no, no, to to actually be humble but actually confident at the same time is yeah. is is something that I've just like like a chink in the the matrix where I've just gone. Oh, you can actually believe in yourself and it can be okay. Do you know what I mean? You should do. Mm. As, I, as I said to you before you went and got your Brit Lifetime Achievement Award, I remember saying to you on that night, you're fucking Robbie. Mm-hmm. Don't forget you're Robbie. You know. Well, listen, I'm very, very grateful for the uh, therapy. I'm very, very grateful for the chat. <laughs> And, the bill's uh, in the post. I Rob. won't. I won't ask you to say it, but happy Christmas. Happy Christmas to you. <laughs> I'm cheaper, Rob. Yeah. I'm cheaper than most of your therapists. Yeah. <laughs> well, I'm not sure about that. We'll see. <laughs> and I, I do. I, I I look at your discography, and I've spent a lot of time watching your performances on online on YouTube. And In Flames is a cracking film too. If nobody out there's seen it, they've got to go out and see that. It's a cracking film. Thanks, Robbie. All right, all the best. Nod, be well. And you, stay safe. Stay safe, and you, mate. And from all of us at the Williams household, myself, Robert, my lovely wife, Ida, we wish you a very, very Merry Christmas. And to you too, Noddy. Merry Christmas, everybody! Merry Christmas, everybody!